listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network as we bring you our second movie review of the summer as the summer comes to a close. Uh, wow. It's been such a sad year <laughs> that uh, nothing's been released in the theaters, but there's still Netflix for you. So I don't know why this didn't occur to us months ago that we could be doing reviews on Netflix, but it occurred to us now. And the big Netflix movie last week... And currently the fifth biggest Netflix movie this week is The Old Guard with Charlize Theron, a big action comic book type movie that uh, took the world by storm. And then it seems to be another one of these ones that's just quickly getting forgotten about. But we're here to talk about it a week too late, but still bring you all of our excitement, especially because this movie co-stars Chiwetel Ejiofor. (laughs) That's his name. Ben's going to... Practice pronouncing that throughout the episode. Uh, my name is Colin Natel Ajiafor. <laughs> and my name is Ben, and you're a child, an infant. Your mocking is thus infantile. Colin's not my boyfriend. He's a man more to me than you can dream. He's the moon when I'm lost in darkness and warmth when I shiver in cold. And his kiss still thrills me, even after a millennia. <laughs> his heart overflows with the kindness of which this world is not worth. I love this man beyond measure and reason. Colin's not my boyfriend. He's all <laughs> and he's more. Um, I just want to say Ben was originally supposed to do this review with Mallory, so... <laughs> yeah, I had to change the name up there quickly. I, I ended up as a last-minute substitute, you but did. I'm flattered. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, maybe even a little curious. <laughs> That's what I was hoping for. Stay after this episode and we will discuss. <laughs> um, I, I'm actually interested to talk about this movie, not even so much for the movie, because I, I think you saw this and I had heard about it. It's, it's weird with Netflix now because it's not like when you would go to a movie theater... And you'd have all the trailers and they'd be all over the place. And even online, you know, it, it doesn't even seem like Netflix really makes a big deal about their movies until it's maybe about a week away. And I think the last big one they had was Extraction, which, you know, set all of their streaming records in one week. And the old guard was up there. And <laughs> really, if, if now that Netflix is doing this, like top 10 in your country, I, I did notice how quickly the old guard seems to have been dropping off this list. So I don't know if that's a reflection of people's opinions, but... I didn't really even know this movie existed until the day it came out. And then I started seeing, you know, all this talk about this Charlize Theron action movie. And, you know, I was thoroughly disappointed with her last action movie, Atomic Blonde. But I'll I'll give it a fair shake. And then you saw it and you kind of echoed what a lot of the reviews were saying. But I'll check this out anyways. Um, I don't know what your opinion is on it. I mean, for me, it's pretty good. I pretty much agree with all of the opinions of all the reviews. It's... Not necessarily a great standalone movie. It feels very much like sequel setup. But uh, what were your thoughts? I, yeah, it was fine. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm exactly the same as you. I'd never heard of this. It was, it was basically I saw this by accident. We were at Mallory's dad's house, and we were weirdly on the topic of the newest Tomb Raider movie. Like, oh, I watched the Mallory's like I watched the newest Tomb Raider movie the other day. I'm like, okay, cool. What did you think? And started talking about that. And then he's like, oh, and I watched this movie on Netflix the other day. We should watch it. I'm like, okay, cool. So we watched it. I'd never heard anything about it. Didn't even realize this was literally like a day old at that point we watched it. I thought this was, you know, because mm. I, I don't have Netflix. I'll be completely honest with people. I, I don't have Netflix, so I don't see these things pop up. So, yeah, brand new. Um, it was fine. <laughs> um, I, I, it wasn't bad. It wasn't brilliant. But I think, 
the thing with me with the sequel bait definitely got the sequel bait, but th- this to me, I think, and let's get over and done with now because we'll probably talk about this. It sets up more of a TV series. This to me is kind of almost like yeah. Star Wars, um, the Clone Wars, kind of like it's a it's a movie setting up a TV series because I feel like this would be a much more interesting Netflix original show than it would be a, a continued movie franchise. So, um, yeah, it's 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 a good film. <laughs> what can we say? <laughs> There's definitely some. It- imbalance with the tone of this movie that I'm interested to get your opinion on because I would say for the first 20-30 minutes of this movie it really felt like a completely different movie than the next 20 to 30 minutes and then the final 20 to 30 minutes I mean you know I I sort of said to you I'm like I don't know how I could do this spoiler free because we already do a spoiler free review but let me just come right and say I mean the entire last 30 minutes of this movie is almost scene for scene um, uh, feels like a direct ripoff of the Matrix even though the entire story and premise is different it's just the way that the 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 last act of this movie plays out it's very borrowed uh but again it sort of felt like a different movie that to me this was like three movies in one so i do get what you're saying even about the tv show premise not just because it's just sort of setting up characters and an idea something that really could go quite far in lots of future stories it's based on a comic book you know which also would probably lend itself better to a tv show than just a movie with an ongoing story uh, but even just the tone, like one week you said Clone Wars, that's a really good example because the Clone Wars series, one week it would feel like, you know, a, a very gritty war film. And then the next week it would feel like, you know, a big fun adventure. And I kind of got that from this movie. It's like every time the story took a shift, it went from being very dark and serious to very fun and light to very action heavy and, you know, rip offy. <laughs> Yeah, and look, I, I, I'm i going to be completely honest with you too. I didn't realize this was based on a comic book till I just, you said it, and I just read it on Wikipedia. So, again, I don't read comics. But, I mean, it makes sense. This does kind of feel like it should be based on something like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, when you pointed out that Matrix connection, it's, it's one of those things that you kind of don't think about, and then all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, like, you're, you're actually kind of right. So... Mm-hmm. It, it's, it is a unique look at that way. Um, I mean, Matrix obviously did it a lot better, <laughs> but yeah, it's, I think the thing with this film is that like, you don't, you're never bored. You, you're never disinterested mm-hmm. in it. You, you kind of, you know, what's going to happen. Like there's nothing shocking about this movie or plot twisty or anything. Like, you know, as soon as this movie started, you could just write down dot point, dot point, dot point. This is going to happen. And then you just play, you know, movie cliche bingo and it happens. But I think, maybe we kind of interpret this differently in our current climate because if it was a standard year with no pandemic and this was released in the cinemas, we might not be looking at this in the same light. We might be like, well, that was kind of cliche. That was this, that was that. But mm-hmm. now that we don't really have anything to compare it to and kind of we're staff and new movies and original content, we're just like, yeah, that's good. Yep, yep, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Yep, solid movie. Move on to the next Netflix original film that comes out in a week <laughs> and we'll forget about this. I mean, this is the bird box of 2020, so... Yeah. You know, uh, that's kind of just going into this review. I mean, I, I saw this like two weeks ago, a week and a half ago now. So that's why I asked you to host it. Because I'm like, do I even remember this movie? Like, it's kind of, it's fine. But it doesn't stand out with you forever. Like, I wasn't blown away. Like, I was blown more away yeah. by the Eurovision movie. I'll be honest. Yeah. Well, another thing I wanted to mention here, like what you're saying about if this were in another year, if this were released theatrically, like, I was not a fan of Atomic Blonde. Like, I was so excited for the Atomic Blonde movie that you know, I think... Jamie and I, every episode Jamie and I were on, I basically said, hey, Atomic Blonde is coming later this summer. Can't wait for that movie. 
And then we saw it and we reviewed it and we both binned it. <laughs> it was not a good movie. And I was actually really shocked at how unimpressed I was with that movie. Uh, but it still, it felt bigger than this. And this, I think this is, the, okay, big conversation people are having is, are movie theaters done? And there's a lot of people saying, you know what, they should just stream everything now. And I think what people don't get is this is more along the lines of the quality of blockbuster you're going to get if it does not get released theatrically. This movie has like a $70 million budget, pretty big budget for a Netflix movie. But if this is released theatrically, this is the type of movie that if it opened third place and did like $12 million, you'd be like, oh, that's about what I expected. You know, mm. <laughs> Nobody's going to have high expectations. And really, if we do shift towards all movies are released either on Netflix or Amazon Prime or they just go digital or video on demand only, we're not going to get quality movies. We're not going to get big $100 million blockbusters. You're not going to get the size and scope of some of these movies we've been accustomed to. This is about the highest budget that something like a Netflix movie could afford. Uh, so it, it, completely off the topic of whether this movie's decent or not, you know, as far as the quality of the storytelling goes, as far as like a big action blockbuster, um, this is what your future will hold if we don't have theater. So, I mean, I am hoping that, you know, theaters don't go completely out of business because it really does mean you can have bigger movies with bigger budget. And I think this movie in a weird way, I think it also could have benefited from maybe a little bit more of a budget. And also I think too, that's where it feels almost like it's, TV show because it's a high standard of television production nowadays. We're, we're mm-hmm. used to seeing these original shows, be it on Netflix, HBO, Amazon Prime, whatever it is. Like constantly said, we are in the golden age of television. Television almost feels like movies now. It's kind of that that middle ground. And I think you're right because as much as we love original shows that are high content and, and we love the television shows, we don't want our movies to start now feeling like it's it's kind of a weird balance because. Yeah. You know, I want to go to a theater. I want to see a $300 million blockbuster on my screens, visually, you know, audio, sound, everything just, you know, taking me apart. There's just something about a movie in a theater that to me will never be replicated by streaming it straight away onto, onto Netflix. You know, it's kind of, mm-hmm. and I think most people are aware of that, but yeah, I mean, this movie, I don't know if I would have seen this movie had it been released. I'll be honest with you. I mean, it would have been marketed. I probably wouldn't have either. Yeah, I mean, it would have been marketed completely differently. We would have heard about it a lot more, of course. But I don't know if that like just works into its favour or not. Because, I mean, one thing I will say about this film, and you and I have constantly said when we've reviewed a movie that, you know, was kind of billed like Captain Marvel, the first Marvel female superhero, Wonder Woman, you know, kind of things that are very much targeted like they're trying to make a big deal out of it one thing that i really liked about this movie is that you have a a the lead star in this movie is a female this is a female action driven film kind of your co-star you know your main sidekick i guess you say that the training one the neo of this movie is also female none of that is kind of shoved down your throat it's just this is what you and i constantly say like we don't care what colour the person is, what gender, what sexuality. I don't give two shits who they are and what they do. If it's a good movie, they're good characters, I'm going to be enthralled. And this is what I think this movie does well. And I, I have seen a lot of the praise for this movie has been, you know, put on that. You know, there are there are openly gay characters in this movie, for example, but it's, it's not done in a way where it's like, hey, everyone, look, two gay people are in this movie. How unusual is this? Like, it's, it's literally like it's just a passing comment. You're like, cool, and you just move on. And, like... That is maybe the the highest praise I will have for this film is just, just you can just it's just passed off as 
everyday life normal, just how it should be. You don't have to emphasize, mm-hmm. over-promote this as, oh, Charlie Theron's a woman, so this is a different movie. Like, who cares? Like, she's, I like Charlize Theron. She's a great actress. It's a decent movie. And I kind of took us on a tangent there, Colin, but I felt that that I'm is, glad you did. Thank you. I try to segue it back into something else to talk about. And there we go. <laughs> I, I, it's an interesting point, too, because that was all of our praise for Wonder Woman. Like, what worked about that movie was that it was, they did just present this incredible superwoman. And didn't really make a point of, you know, oh, it's a woman doing it. And it's not even just the character saying it. You know, sometimes it's just the way the movie presents it. Like that was our one of our biggest complaints with the Star Wars movies is they're constantly having to remind you, oh, a woman doing it or not. Not so not even so much the the episode seven, eight, nine. But that was a big complaint with Rogue One is that they constantly were like, I can't believe that this woman, you know, um, with Jin or whatever is doing all this and all the other characters responding like that. But I'm like, okay, but we are coming from the Star Wars series where this was always the case. And it just feels so unnatural to be drawing attention to it, whereas it works so much better when you present it like this. And really, it shouldn't work here because the story for people who aren't familiar is that this is a team, you know, a mercenary team, but they're all essentially immortal. You know, they've been living for hundreds of years and they can't die. Uh, so it's kind of like Highlander, you know, in, in a weird way, if anybody ever saw Highlander. Without Sean Connery uh, and, and Queen, come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Sean Connery playing a Spaniard. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't want that? But um, but especially with Charlize Theron's character, because she is the Morpheus of this movie. She's the mentor. She is the one who leads everybody. And she's been around longer than this. And they will show flashbacks of her in battles where you're like, okay, if this is the... 1200s somebody should be making a big deal about the fact that this is a woman doing it but it's again not shoved down your throat it's not even presented it's just presented as natural and you accept her character more for that i think it also helps that Charlize there is one of these actresses who has had a lot of experience in action even when you know female fronted action movies were not cool at all and in fact they were downright awful what was that um the one that she did uh the weird sci-fi one what was it aeon Uh, Aeon flux yeah yeah and then, of course, she goes from that and she does Atomic Blonde, which is, you know, as much as I dislike the movie, I mean, the physicality is what she brings to this movie. Now, what I will say, my knock against her and which will also be my knock against every actor in this movie, uh, with the exception she would tell GF4, because he really does find a way to to be sympathetic and bring life to a character when other people don't, is that everybody's so, I don't know, boring in this movie. Like, I feel like Charlize Theron especially with the way her character is. And there are scenes, there's an airplane scene in particular with her and, you know, the Neo character in this movie, which there are some funny lines in there and it's kind of a funny premise. And it's just, she doesn't seem like she's having fun. And I almost feel like this movie in editing, they injected a little bit of fun in it, but it wasn't meant there as the performances. She's far from the worst one of this movie, but I I don't feel like if, if she's really nailed the physicality part of action movies, I don't feel like she's nailed the charisma yet. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, and same with the Chiwetelogia 4. Uh, Chiwetel- yes, that was pretty good. I've been practicing. Um, I mean, I, I'm a big Charlize Theron fan. I, I I really like, I mean, Monster, I don't know why that didn't make my top 50 movies of all time. Just just an incredible movie and, and one of the best transformations I've ever seen from, a, from an actor to kind of go from Charlize Theron into Eileen Warnos and just look so different. But yeah, it's kind of... There is no real charisma side to this movie. That definitely does let it down. Um, and, I mean, the, the premise is very interesting. It's kind of 
you know, this immortal side of things. And like you mentioned Highlander. Gosh, I haven't seen that in a long time. My dad, that was my dad's favorite movie. It probably still is. So used to oh. always watch that movie as a kid. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting, like, you know, and this is where I keep leaning into the TV series thing. Cause like, I think the way they handle immortality, it's kind of like time travel, you know, any movie or TV show always handles it a little bit differently, you know, add their own quirks or things to it and things like that. And I kind of, I like the idea what they do with immortality in this one. Whereas like Highlander, it was what, if you got your head chopped off, that's how you died, right? Like that was the only yeah. way you could be killed. Otherwise you, you would survive everything. This, like, I won't spoil it, but it kind of like, it's got a unique take on that sense of immortality. So I kind of like that. Um, and like, I like, I like the other characters. It's kind of like this little ragtag bunch of individuals of, you know, there's only a few of them in the world and this, and they're discovering the new Neo character. Like it's all unique, but yeah, like if they were to turn this into a TV show, they might need to get a, a needle of personality and inject it into some of them. I, I, I don't know, but, um, I mean, cheer we tell a Gia for, I mean, what a man, what a, oh, what a beautiful incredible. man. Yes. And can I also just point out? The the evil guy, the CEO guy, uh, I, the whole movie, I'm going, what is he from? He's from something. It's Dudley Dursley from the Harry Potter films, Harry Melling. <laughs> so that's who he is. There you go. Not <laughs> totally familiar with him. I, I will say he annoyed me in this movie. Like, oh, yeah. oh, he was he was not a good villain. Like, that's, I think, another area where this movie suffers a little bit. You don't have, like, if we're going to compare this to The Matrix, and, and I'm not just doing this because there are a lot of similarities just with, you know, the last act of this movie. Uh, but the reason I picked up on those Matrix similarities, I think, was because when I was about halfway done this movie, I was explaining to Jamie my feelings on it as far as being sequel bait and saying, you know, when you get a movie like The Matrix, The Matrix still felt like its own complete movie. Yeah. And you had the little, you know, tag on there in the end. It's like, ooh, there's a sequel potential. Solo is another great example. Solo is a complete movie. And then you have this great idea for a sequel, whereas this never quite reaches the point either through the story, uh, the the characters, uh, and especially with the villain, where it feels like its own movie. I feel like if this movie had had a really, really strong villain, it would have helped it a lot. Uh, and there's kind of two villains. I mean, Chiwetel Ejiofor is almost, in a way, a villain in this movie. But the other guy is like, oh, it was just, he was getting on my last nerve. Um, the other main character here, the Neo character of this movie, uh, the actress Kiki Lane. Um, also, I, I felt like she nailed the physicality part of this, but really lacking charisma. And it's funny because I was trying to say, I've, I know her from something. What do I know her from? And... Uh, I looked it up and she was in this movie a couple of years ago called If Beale Street Could Talk, which was the follow up from the guy who made Moonlight. And it was a movie that, you know, even despite the big push for, uh, you know, Oscar's so white, let's get some more, uh, you know, uh, diversity in there. Critics just could not bring themselves to praise If Beale Street Could Talk beyond Regina King won the Oscar for that movie. And I remember review after review after review saying the lead in that movie, Kiki Lane, <laughs> basically was just she she lacked charisma and that she was not quite there as an actress yet again there's nothing wrong with her but she just there's an inexperience with her where i feel like you know keanu reeves is also you know very dry uh not really big big personality or anything but it, it felt like he at least had a little bit more experience that brought to it there was something about kiki lane in this where it's just she doesn't feel quite ready for a role this size yet. And maybe in the sequel she will be. But this is just two major movies in a row where a lot of the reviews seem to be pointing to her saying, you know what, maybe she's a female Jai Courtney. Who knows? Well, it reminds me a lot of, 
I've often talked a lot about Chris Hemsworth kind of watching him in Home in a Way of how bland and just like irritating he used to be. He had one look and it was clearly let's find any excuse to get his shirt off. I mean, nothing's really changed, let's be honest. But like at least now Chris Hemsworth has personality and Chris Hemsworth yeah. is interesting to watch. If you ever went back and saw him in Home in a Way like, you know, 15 years ago, you'd be like, oh, how the hell did this guy become one of the biggest stars in Hollywood? Um, and kind of what you were saying there too, it reminded me a little bit of the 24 reboot they did a couple of years ago with, and I don't know the actor's name. I'm sorry off the top of my head. Black Jack, basically. Like there was nothing wrong with him as an actor, but they just, they made him too much to be like Jack Bauer and he had no personality. He was just really bland. And yet him as an actor, if you saw, uh, he was in, um, uh, what was the, uh, the NWA movie? Um, oh, straight out of Compton. Straight out of Compton. Yeah, yeah, amazing and straight out of Compton. And yeah, yeah, on the twenty four show just didn't work. So maybe it is like Kiki Lane. Just this isn't her forte yet. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing too. Like we've talked a lot about actors who kind of go into action and kind of do things like that. And you know, it doesn't necessarily. I mean, Chris Hemsworth again, a classic example. I mean, he's not maybe as bad at this. You know, his action, he, he can hold his own. But we've kind of, I think, discovered that Chris Hemsworth is a lot better suited to comedy, really. Um, and we've, we've talked a lot about that with some other actors recently as well. So it's, it's interesting kind of to look at that way. One thing I wanted to ask you though, Colin, and this is more of a conversation have if we ever did a full on recap of this movie, cause you and I have a habit of doing this. Was I the only one watching this movie going that I kind of agree with the villains in this movie? Like they're kind of yes. right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, w- without going too much into spoilers, I mean, the villains premise for why they want to capture this team it's pretty solid. Yeah. <laughs> it almost does start to feel like, you know, it's self-centered for the heroes to not at least go along with this. They're not saying we're going to kill you all. It's a, there's a reason why they want to they, they want to study them. You know, they want to see what they can do with them. And there's no reason that Charlie Theron or any of these other characters shouldn't say, you know what? Let's let's try to work something out here, you know? Yeah. And it's it's I think again, recap, we're maybe going slightly into spoilery territory here, but I think the thing that, again, it's with a lot of these movies is that they don't explain it well. So, like, kind of when you sort of get it, oh, you know, this hasn't, it's not like this hasn't happened to us before in history. We'll go into a bit more detail about why that's so bad then, because, like, it's kind of implied that this isn't the first time that bad guys are trying to test them and stuff like that. Like, okay, yeah. fine, that's understandable. You've been around for however many thousands of years, but explain it a little bit better because again that that led me to really think like hey i'm kind of on board with the ceo guy like experiment with them like yeah they could help humanity who knows Mm -hmm. yeah and uh the second part that's all set up for sequel bait too that that gets a little bit confusing is they they introduce an idea of a a character i guess a couple of characters that they mention that aren't really around for the movie and they sort of pay off one of those and not the other. Um, there is there is sequel setup. I won't spoil which one gets a setup or not. Uh, but it just felt like there was a lot of mentions of, you know, oh, this is something really important. And the movie actually spent more time focusing on those ideas of characters that may or may not pay off in sequels than they did on what the villain's premise is. Yeah, and that's, and that's an issue. Like, that... De- <laughs> And I think kind of going back to my point, like, yeah, leading this into a TV show and a lot of the criticism, well, not really criticism, but the comments have been about sequel baiting. And I guess it's just the era we live in. Everyone wants a franchise. Everyone wants a cinematic universe. I get that. But that's where you have issues because, you know, if this movie flops and everyone hated it, 
um, you know, you're never going to get a sequel. You're never going to get a payoff. And then you always have your core underground group who love this movie and fights for a sequel for years and speculate and all this sort of stuff. And maybe that's what the filmmakers want. Maybe that's the, who the writers of the comic book want. They want this, I don't know, leads them into reading the comic books, canon, all that sort of stuff. But it's just, yeah, that's, it's just, I don't know what, how, what I'm trying to say here with that. It's just dangerous territory. I mean, mm-hmm. just, just, you don't need to create a solid movie. Let's go back to Sonic again. I seem to mention it in every single review episode we've done here. I mean, Sonic is going into this, everyone's got no expectations. They're expecting this to be terrible. It turns out to be pretty decent. And Sonic stands on its own two feet as just a solid single movie. You don't have to have a sequel. Yes, there is a post credit scenes which opens it up for a sequel. Of course there is. Well, there's two, technically. And no doubt there will be a sequel to Sonic. But it's kind mm-hmm. of... You still can read into that as just a solo film that didn't spend the entire runtime setting up a sequel. I feel this set up the entire runtime baiting it too much or at least mm-hmm. leading into... And that's kind of... I don't know. It's almost an arrogance from the filmmakers of like, yeah. this movie is going to be great. You're going to want to see more. I mean, how did that work for Universal and their mummy franchise and the <laughs> mummy, yeah. the the cinematic universe around that, the mystical beasts and whatever it is. So, you know, maybe got lucky old guard creators, but anyway. Um the uh, the the other thing to mention in similarities to Wonder Woman is how the action is in this movie, uh, because the director of this, like Wonder Woman, it, they got a female director, Gina Prince Bythewood. Uh, so she's made four movies prior to this, none of which you would expect would lend itself to action, <laughs> sci-fi, or whatever this movie is. She, she made Love and Basketball. She did The Secret Life of Bees. Oh. And then she did a musical called Beyond the Lights a few years ago and then moves into this. Um, she, the one thing I will say, the real star of this movie is what Gina Prince Bythewood did with the action. Because I, very much like Wonder Woman, the action is presented in a different way. It's not even it's, – it's such a subtle difference. But we mentioned this so much in the Wonder Woman episode. That when you see Wonder Woman fight, it's not a typical – overly feminine way of fighting uh and similar what you said earlier when when charlie's theron has a scene which maybe the i guess my two favorite scenes in the movie one would be the airplane scene i talked about earlier yeah and then the second one would be where she's you know basically dispensing with all the villains outside of their hideout on her own and everybody's like oh does she need help yet no she's gonna need help no no she's got this you know uh, and it doesn't feel so forced because I feel like what what they too often do in movies like this is when you have a female character and even Alias, uh, Alias, one of my all time favorite shows. And, you know, I could hardly bring myself to knock anything about Jennifer Garner, but, you know, they would too often make it where she was just almost superhuman against these villains. Now, here you have a character who is superhuman and yet she still fights like a mortal. And I think that's what made a huge difference because these female-fronted action movies, they, they try so hard to go over the top in making them so much stronger and so much more incredible, which takes the tension away. And and it, this premise where none of the characters can really die, that alone is going to take a lot of the tension away because you don't have the suspense of what's going to happen to them. And even when she's in that fight scene, she's fighting like a mortal. And I love they have a one throwaway line where they just say she spent hundreds of years figuring out hundreds of ways to kill people. Like this is her specialty. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think going back to my point about kind of the, the way they handle immortality, uh, I like sort of the twist with that when it comes to her character, because, you know, as you said, if you've got immortal characters, what are the stakes there? Why are we caring for these characters? You know, if they're in a massive battle, Mm -hmm you know they can't die, so it doesn't really matter. Like, 
some people criticize Superman because it's like, well, what's the point of a Superman movie when we know it's only one thing that is his weakness? But we still watch them because Superman's awesome. Um, so yeah, it's it is you know, and I agree with you completely. It's it's again going back to my point about how you watch this movie and you don't even need emphasis on the fact that oh, this is not normal. Like we're not used to watching a strong female character. I think we need to get out of that mindset. We are. You know, we, when we have yeah. been for some time, it's, you know, strong female action heroes are not new. They've been doing it for decades. Mm-hmm. Princess Leia, I mean, come on, we've, we've gone over this. You know, Ridley uh, in the Alien films, all this sort of stuff. Like, it's, it's happened for decades. Stop trying to make out like this is a new thing. So, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's great to be able to just... And like, I didn't even realize, like, until you just pointed it out, that the director of this movie was female, and that's fantastic. Like, I don't care what mm-hmm. gender the director is of a movie. I, I don't. As long as they direct it good. They can be directed by a dog, for all I care. Like, I really don't <laughs> care. As long as the movie turns out good and I I enjoy it, I'm going to be selfish and say that, and then I don't give a shit who's behind the camera. So, yeah. So, I guess two questions. First one being, this movie really is sequel bait. Oh, um, yeah. Did the bait work? Like, if The Old Guard do 2 comes out, you know, next summer on Netflix, are you tuning into it? And if you are, how quickly? Uh, I reckon I'd watch it. Uh, I don't think I would be lining up to buy a ticket if it was in the cinemas or, you know, signing up for a Netflix subscription to do it. Um, it might just be one of those things of, hey, Ben, did you hear The Old Guard 2 came out? Oh, cool, I'll, I'll check it out. You know, it's... Again, as I said to you before about how I saw this nearly two weeks ago now and I barely remember it. Like, this is going to be a movie in six months' time. At the end of this year, you know, when we talk about movies that we reviewed in 2020, both of them, uh, I'm probably <laughs> going to be like, oh, yeah, The Old Guard. Oh, we watched that, didn't we? You know, it's kind of, it's going to be one of those. It's not going to stand out for me for a long time. But I, I'd, I'd check it out. I don't know about a TV series, though. I don't know if I'd be invested enough to to learn, yeah. sit down and watch. What about you? Would you line up for this? I mean, I wouldn't line up if it comes out on Netflix and I got nothing else to watch, you know, I'd check it out. I would it would be one of these things I'd add to my list. It's not going to be something I'm going to get around to until I'm like, yeah, you know, let's watch the old guard, too. Um, Very similar movie to this, which uh, did not get a sequel, um, was a movie called The Losers that um, had what Jeffrey Dean Morgan and uh, Chris Evans, uh, Zoe Saldana. It was like pre all of them being really famous and it was also based on kind of a graphic novel comic book series not so much the supernatural but like team of mercenaries and that i actually thought was a better movie than this and i was thinking to myself if they came out with the losers too would i be rushing to see that and even with that it would probably take me you know i'll i'll wait for it so definitely would check it out i mean the sequel bait works well enough that i'd be curious to see where they go but i'm not so curious where i'm gonna be dying to see this and booking the day off so i can watch it at midnight when it's added to netflix yeah and i think it's kind of you know we talked about in the eurovision one a couple of weeks back and i mean it's the trend of 2020 i mean in all seriousness what have we had four five and not not including oscar movies this year that we've reviewed Mm -hmm. maybe even that and i think we've all been pleasantly surprised that Generally, they're okay. They're better than we thought they were, you know. Sonic, Birds of Prey, Eurovision. This one, it's kind of more of a well, I didn't know it existed. And it was fine, you know. Sure, like, yeah. I, it hasn't really been a bad film, I think, this year. Yeah. Which, again, there's been like four, so <laughs> I mean, it's there's not that many to come, but yeah, I think it's. It's just continuing that trend, which is refreshing, you know, with the few mm-hmm. movies we are getting after last year really being a disappointing year for movies. I think that. You know, it's it's refreshing to kind of have this. So I don't know if I'd watch this movie again, though, either. Like, it's kind of like one of those ones where it's like Saturday night, you're bored, put on a movie. Don't know yeah. if this is going to be in my top 
hundred, <laughs> you know, to, to yeah. kind of go and maybe if I'm just at a, if, I mean, I was going to say if it's on TV, but that's not how it works with the Netflix film, Ben. Um, but let's, let's pretend I'm flicking over to, I don't know, what do you have over here? CTV, freaking uh, TSN Sports, you know, <laughs> there's no sports in the world. <laughs> so uh, sure, I might catch it in the corner of my eye, but yeah, I'm not rushing out to watch it again anytime soon. Okay. Well, would you buy it, rent it, bin it? I was thinking about this. Uh, I'm not binning it. Uh, it's either going to be a high rent or a low buy. Look, I'm going to buy it. Like, I, I feel like it is one of these movies, which, again, I really have no major problems with it. It's 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 enjoyable. It's there. It's just not super memorable. Um, so, I mean, if I am to rank the good movies I've seen in 2020 that are new, this probably would be at the bottom. But, again, it's... It's solid. I can't. I don't see this being a rent, a rentable offense. So yeah, low buy, mm-hmm. low buy for me. I'm gonna go with your other impulse, which is I'm gonna go with a high rent because there's nothing wrong with the movie, but it is ultimately a little bit forgettable and pretty generic. But it's it's solid for what it is, and it's got me at least interested in a sequel. Um, but kind of like you said, I don't know if I would go out my way to watch this a second time. Even if a sequel came out. I don't know if I'd be like, oh, I got to watch the old guard one first. You know, it's like, yeah, I'll check it out if it comes. Well, I've got to say, though, Chia Wattel, a GF4, that's, uh, that, that, that put it over the, the threshold for the buy for me. Yeah. Yellow to green. If, if that was, I don't know, somebody else, <laughs> I couldn't think of a <laughs> random actor that we'll get a month out of next year. Um, I, I, <laughs> Dennis Hayes, actually, no, if it was Dennis Hayes, but it would have been a much higher buy. Oh, um, absolutely. God, Ben, be offensive to yourself. God, wash your mouth out. Um, nah, yeah. Chiwetology for good for you for being Chiwetology for. <laughs> All right, and I don't know what we're going to be doing next. I mean, the time people are Never listening to this, we've got. <laughs> we don't. We don't necessarily have even a month lined up. I mean, we our get shorty end of Renee Russo month that recaps out. Uh, Bill and Ted is going to be coming out for Labor Day, so we'll get a recap of the first two movies sort of out before then. Uh, but other new movies, I'm actually really interested to see uh, the movie that I was really interested in seeing back in March before everything closed down, Greyhound, uh, which is Tom Hanks's big war movie that he also co-wrote. Uh, now, this one, unlike Old Guard, was meant to be theatrically released. And like all these other movies like Ghostbusters and A Quiet Place and No Time to Die, they just keep pushing their release dates, pushing their release dates. I think Greyhound has gone through three release dates that have passed already, and they eventually said, let's just release this on Apple TV. So this is going to – I mean, we know the Trolls 2 went straight to streaming, but that was kind of a different story. This is almost going to be like the first glimpse of you know how COVID is affecting a massive blockbuster because I doubt – this movie's going to lose money, and this is sort of what we were saying earlier – but uh, I think it's just kind of interesting. We, we at least have a big blockbuster this year that is getting some form of release. So I don't know if Ben's going to join me for that one or if I'm going to do a solo review. I'll but try. I'm determined I want to watch Greyhound. I, you know, I, I was getting excited that I was going to see the history of my favorite bus company. But then I realized it's, <laughs> it's a war movie with Tom Hanks. But no, I'll I'll, I'll check it out. It's, it is going to be interesting to see how it all goes because... I mean, you and I, it's no um, secret, are really hanging out for no time to die and it's probably looking like they might delay it again and I'm not going to be a happy little bunny. But, yeah, I mean, I guess if this does well enough, they might just go, screw it, here you go, Netflix, have a James Bond film. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how will that go? I don't know. Um, Yeah, so... 
Uh, we'll, we'll check it out. I, I've always wanted to see Tom Hanks play a greyhound. <laughs> That's literally what the movie is. We didn't tell anybody. My, my mama said life is always like licking my balls. Oh, now that's why they released it streaming only. Well, you know <laughs> the that theaters Tom wouldn't Hanks allow it. Got coronavirus in Australia, so I, I feel kind of some responsibility as an Australian to oh, yeah. support Tom Hanks. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's when the world knew this was serious. When Tom Hanks got coronavirus, everyone's like, "Fuck, better pay attention <laughs> to this now." Not Tom Hanks, not Rita Wilson, no. Uh, so hopefully we'll be back with that, and if not, we'll have something coming soon for you something <laughs> well, something the room the room will happen the in room, august yes. whether we're talking to an actor or just doing another commentary so you know that's our yearly thing but um i don't know just colin and i might just sit down and talk for an hour about ceiling coverings or something like that i don't know yeah or cobwebs Co- cobwebs is a good topic yep absolutely i feel I, I hear tom hanks is also set to play a cobweb in an upcoming <laughs> apple tv release with Charlize Theron as a spider. <laughs> hey, I'm sure he'd let her climb all over him, so that's fine. <laughs> all right, so stay tuned for more from us, whatever that may be. My name is Colin, and I've got nothing to say from this movie, so I'll just say, oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> and my name is Ben, and I don't think I speak Russian. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.